next for Nigeria's tech sector? It's two minutes past five. This is the business show for people doing real business. There's no up-up talk here. We talk about the biggest uh, business stories and how they are affecting your business or the business that you work for. And we talk to real people doing real business. Today, we're still talking about the tech sector. We started the conversation last week and the time just flew by. We still had some ground uh, to cover and you still had more questions for our expert guests. So we're going to pick up from where we left off. Today's business hard fact is that CUDA announced that it raised $25 million in its Series A round. So immediately after Flutterwave uh, shared their own big news, we also got great investment news from CUDA. Kuda is a Nigerian digital bank that are planning to expand to the whole of Africa. Then this week, we got news that Bankly is getting $2 million in investment, a $2 million investment. They are a fintech focused on the unbanked. They're basically taking a Susu online or Akawo or Ajo, any of those ones that you know. So clearly, Flutterwave's success isn't an isolated incident. We're seeing more and more Nigerian startups getting international funding, entering the global market. And after last week's conversation, so many of you wanted to know more. Even during the show, Seb, I was getting your messages begging our guests to come back. And she very graciously agreed to do so. She's the co-founder of First Check Africa, an angel fund investing in the tech sector. Aloha, Omame. Welcome back to Balogo and Broad on Hard Facts. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for having me back. Good. Lagos, I want to hear from you as well. What do you think is behind the growth and success of the Nigerian tech sector? If you work in tech, please call us and tell us what you do. Tell us how you started. Uh, If you just want to learn more about the tech business environment, call with your questions for Eloho. We're going to be taking mostly your questions today, so keep them coming, all right? I have just a few questions, and then the rest of the hour, we'll spend it answering your questions. So keep the questions coming. Eloho, Kuda's um, Series A round was big news last week. Vala Ventures led the investing and they are a big deal in that world. So is it fair to read this as yet another sign that the world of venture capital uh, sees Nigerian fintech as a goodbye? Oh, absolutely. And I think we touched on some of the reasons why last week. Um, I think, you know, for example, you referenced the fact that in Kuda's latest press, Hmm. um, all the articles that have been written, they talk about... um, building the digital bank for Africans everywhere. Mm-hmm. So clearly the, the vision and the goal has extended beyond building a Nigerian bank that serves Nigerians in Nigeria mm-hmm. to across Africa. Mm-hmm. But I think last week we spoke about this idea that Nigeria really is a really strategically important market for Africa. Mm-hmm. And so the way that a lot of investors look at Nigeria mm-hmm. is as a first step or a springboard into the rest of Africa one. Mm. And there's also this notion that if you can get it right in Nigeria, Mm -hmm. um, then you can probably do okay in some of the other larger markets. So, you know, I'm a little bit unsurprised Mm. um, that the vision has shifted to Africa now. Mm. Um, You know, remember the other thing we talked about last week was we talked about for investors who are, um, for VCs, venture capitalists, who Mm -hmm. are the people that startups will be will be raising capital from in order to generate the kinds of returns that they need to see mm-hmm. um, 100 times their capital for example 50 times their capital that's sort of the, the big goal mm-hmm. they need big markets big market opportunities 
and they need high growth companies. So it's a little bit unsurprising, I guess, that um, the startups, our startups are increasingly ambitious. Mm -hmm. uh, you see them um, thinking about building from Nigeria, but very quickly beyond Nigeria to capture um, other other African markets. Hmm. So soon after announcing the big round, Flutterwave also announced uh, a partnership with PayPal to let Nigerian vendors um, get paid from anywhere using PayPal. Now, clearly this means that suddenly Nigerian businesses will be better able to do business globally. What types of businesses do you think um, would benefit from, from, from moves like this? Well, I think really, is anybody, well, there's two ways to look at it. Is anybody who's buying, anybody who's selling, right? If you think about the kinds of things we might be selling, I think one thing that we are increasingly good at is selling digital services, right. selling technology services. We have a really strong and growing um, developer community mm -hmm. and a growing reputation globally for the fact that we have great developers in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So this also means that even your developers working in a freelance freelance capacity, they're mm -hmm. able to pay and get paid a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. um, that's one example of the kinds of things that we might be selling. Mm -hmm. The other side of it, of course, is the buying, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have um, all kinds of businesses, SMEs, um, you know, individuals as well, but, you know, I guess a lot of the volume will be around the SMEs who need to buy stock, mm -hmm. um, who need to be able to pay efficiently. And it makes sense that they're able to use a global payments um, technology like PayPal. For me, I think it's fantastic because it really just opens Africa to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that GB or Flutterwave has been quoted as saying multiple times that his goal with Flutterwave is to, like he says, he always says Africa is not a country, mm -hmm. but our goal at Flutterwave is to make it feel like one. Mm -hmm. And again, vision has extended now beyond Africa, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, I think, in his, again, in the press around that, there was some language around the fact that it's important that Africa as a whole stays connected um, economically to the rest of the world and mm. tech and digital is how we do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I personally think it's, it's, it's a great... It's great for Flutterwave, obviously, but I think it's just great for our economies in general. Mm. Lagos, uh, call and ask Eloho your questions about the tech sector and about the world of venture capital. Perhaps you want to become an angel investor as well. She's your girl. 0700-993-993-993. You can also call 01465-7190. That number is for our female callers only. 01465-7190. If for some reason you can't... Um, call in, please send your messages to us via WhatsApp. WhatsApp is 080-959-75805. Ask uh, all the questions you have about the tech sector. Ask about um, the world of venture capital. We have somebody who called last week and was asking how they can... Um, attract investment for their startup. He tried to sell me the startup right on the show and I was like, wait, calm down first. You have to pay me advertising fees. <laughs> <laughs> but let me talk to Ebuka in Mushing first. Ebuka, how are you? Welcome. I'm very funny. Yeah, welcome back. Thank How's you. Good, good. Oh, thanks for God. I'll pick one. Like, talking about this flakaways and PayPal and you see some importers, they will tell you before they get dollar... And at the same time, send documents to the producers, let's say China, you get, it is stressful. So what is the advantage of this Buddha in relation to these importers? They want to import something, want to send dollars. Mm. Like this application, Shaka, there's Rove, and other many great stakes out there. You know, the way you look at their charges, they were like, for four, like dollar is 480 thereabouts. Then if you want to convert it to be 480 or 400, almost 500, Naira per dollar. 
Then if they are trying to get it back, they will say for a foreigners, less than foreigners and six naira there about, and we will see you are losing. So what is this Buddha and other legislature win? What is the advantage to importers that is spending money like let's say millions of naira to dollars? You get Sandra. I get. Okay. All right, Ibuka. Thank you very much, Ibuka, for calling. Uh, so, uh, he's asking how the PayPal versus uh, Flutterwave um, marriage helps importers who are buying from places like China, for instance. Uh, I didn't quite hear his question, but I kind of heard some reference to rates and mm. things like that. Mm. Um, I, the way I, I view this is, and I don't know the specifics of what the experience is using PayPal if you're buying from China. You mentioned China. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the specifics. Yeah, he, he mentioned but importing I, from China, yes. Right. But I do know that it is to the importer's benefit to have many potential solutions around their ability to pay, right? Right. Um, it is to their benefit to have the payments and the money, international money transfer operators competing for their volume. Right. Um, because all of that, in principle, should drive up service levels. Mm-hmm. Everybody should want to do it faster and quicker because that's how they win their business. Mm-hmm. And it should also drive down rates, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now, like I said, I can't speak to the specifics of what Flutterways rates look like versus the next person or mm-hmm. PayPal's rather. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that, first of all, competition is great. Mm-hmm. So the more options that we can get around our ability to pay, etc., mm-hmm. the better of the as are just at a, at, a, at a systemic level. Right. Aside from that, I think the other thing that is, um, the other thing to think about is that China is a very specific corridor, right? Right. But my my, my, my sense is, I mean, PayPal at this point is a global company. That's right. I imagine there are very few companies that can offer as many payment corridors with Nigeria mm-hmm. as PayPal. As PayPal. Mm-hmm. So not everybody is buying and selling from China. Mm-hmm. Some people will be buying and selling from Turkey. Some people will be buying and selling from other markets. Mm-hmm. And I think there are probably advantages to them being able to then, you know, make those payments via PayPal, whereas whereas perhaps previously they, they did not have the opportunity to make direct payments in the way that they can today. Mm-hmm. So without mm-hmm. commenting specifically on the China situation, mm-hmm. and I would say there, of course, it makes sense if he's a businessman that he looks at, you know, what the best rate is for him, mm-hmm. who will move faster. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other side of it is also sometimes you have um, accessibility. Your, I don't know who you're buying from, but the vendor on the other side might say we only accept PayPal. Mm. PayPal at this point is pretty global. A lot of a lot of the vendors uh, actually, actually tell you, actually, oh, we only accept PayPal. Right. So who knows? Maybe it now opens up a bunch of other vendors that otherwise may have not been available to the importer, to, to the importer. Right. So I think I would look at payment services and cross-border payments as a basket, as a business person, mm-hmm. and say, look, maybe I'm better off using X for my payments when I'm going to China, but I might be better off using PayPal if I'm going to Turkey. I might be better off. And all of that is is an advantage. All right, let's take more calls. Our phone lines are blowing up. 99.3. Hello. Good evening, Sandra. Good evening. Thanks for calling. What's your name? I'm very well. Olajide Felix. I called last Wednesday before Elon came on the show and I asked a question my question was not Aha, uh-huh, right, right. You're the one yeah, I was talking and, about and, earlier, Ron. Yeah, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, Okay, yes, yes. Do you want me to repeat the question again? Or you yes, repeat, repeat the question. Go ahead. Okay, so I said I have an existing platform. I actually started last year, and um, we currently have some growth on me. So I'm actually asking that um, from Elon. I even sent her a DM on Instagram. She hasn't checked on it, I think so. That how can how can I um, you know get um, a co-founder to you know 
move the um the like, fintech platform forward because right now it's just about 20 30 percent fintech or we're actually looking at going to full stack fintech so what do you advise that we do and how do you get into uh, a co-founder that we can actually push it forward so you're looking for a co-founder who can help you push your your product forward your your tech mm-hmm. forward yes exactly okay exactly. push it forward in what way and like to, to because we actually go want to go into full stake well fintech we are 2030 right now but what do you, you mean know, you're at 2030 and what do you mean full we, tech okay um currently now on the platform we we, we have like an e-wallet where people make um a little deposit and they have like savings there so we actually want to convert it to a that all subscribers can have like a savings platform where they can have it, an interest going on but currently now they have the savings there but there's nothing like an interest going on there and the platform is growing day by day. So uh, when I heard us speaking about, you know, fintech last week, I just thought oh, I think it's the right time for us to push this to full stake fintech, like what other tech um, companies are doing in Nigeria. Right, Olajide, thank you very much for calling. I'm not quite sure I understood what he was asking, but uh, Eloha, did you understand what he was asking? I didn't hear all of it, and I didn't fully understand it. I think, uh, and I'm sorry, Olajide, if I miss, if I misrepresent what you asked but I, what I kind of gathered mm-hmm. was um, the tech is built up until a point mm-hmm. and they're trying to expand the capabilities of the platform mm-hmm. and he's saying it sounds like he's saying how do I find a, a co-founder who is, you know, has that technical capability to, yeah. to help me yeah um, I don't think co-founders I, I think I think the best co-founders relation the best co-founder relationships um, and the ones that we typically see are a little bit organic mm. um, you know Usually you will find that co-founders have had some interaction in some role mm. in the past or, you know, gone to school together, things like that. And those, at least the theory says that those are the best ways to find your co-founders, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not often very realistic for most people, for most, for a lot of people, for multiple reasons. Mm. Um, especially in the case of when you're talking about a, a technical co-founder, right? Because that's a very particular skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, what I always advise people to do is to just do a bunch of research around... Um, who has built something similar to what I am looking to build, for example. Okay. Um, you know, what, for example, are you looking for a co-founder who is much more of an engineer um, and can be a software engineer and be a technical co-founder as for a CTO? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for not so technical, but perhaps a product person that can help you develop the product um, or the proposition? Mm-hmm. And then whatever that skill set is, map it um, with also experience. Hopefully that is either... Uh, pretty similar to you know building what you have built or um, is adjacent so what I mean by that is I don't know you might be building and I'm sorry I didn't quite pick up what his startup was but you might be building a wealth management platform and you might say and look so wealth management I want to buy shares I want to buy sell shares and you might say well I'm going to I can't find somebody who because there's not many of those that exist in Nigeria today Mm -hmm. I can't find somebody who's done that but I'm going to look for somebody that has built um, a fintech platform mm-hmm. because a lot of operations perhaps that underlie it, I want to pay, I have, you know, I mean, the user interface, etc. There's lots of similarities there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I would say in terms of the first way to, to think about it. But there's no kind of getting beyond um, the research around look who's done it, who's built it. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, and then, you know, of course, talk to people, approach them, here's what I'm building, what do you think, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, woo them in the same way as you would do if you're building a network. <laughs> Aside from that, Aside from that, the other way that I, I, I think about sort of a good place to find co-founders is, is in communities. Mm. Um, and I'm a little bit um, 
hamstrung. I won't know the top of my mind the best communities outside of the communities that I focus on, which tend to be the female-focused ones. But for example, if somebody was looking for a female technical co-founder, I would say talk to somebody like She Code Africa mm. and talk to them about that I'm looking for a co-founder. This is what I'm trying to do. And they might be able to sort of point you in the direction of a couple of female you know, engineers. We have very few of them. So say that again, She Code Africa? So she code as in S H E and code. No, no, she S H E C O D E Africa. Africa. Hmm. One community I really like. But my point is there are communities like that. You have product. Another one called Product Dive. Mm -hmm. So again, if you're looking for somebody that has product strength, Mm -hmm. wants to develop the product, etc., you might start there and Mm -hmm. say this is the kind of profile I'm looking for. Help me. The other place, personally, I always look for, and this co-founder question is one that I try and keep a database of Mm -hmm. of of people. Mm -hmm. I look at people's Twitter and I look at what they've done I then go to their LinkedIn I'm like oh interesting and I file it in the back of my head mm-hmm. so I think the journey is not um, an easy one if you don't organically have people mm-hmm. who you have worked with mm-hmm. or you went to you with and you know their work you trust them you work well with them because it's really important but I think you know a bit of determined research a bit of spending time in communities um, that are sort of dedicated towards um, tech, tech people mm. is, is a and of course, being 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 intentional and vocal about the fact I'm looking for a co-founder. A lot of people would say that. About yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised what you what you find when you ask. Do you think there's a yeah. space for like a sort of uh, matching platform, like a Tinder, for instance, for co-founders? Co-founders, co-founders. Um, look, I think the idea of matching is very interesting. And interestingly, one of the ideas that we played with at First Check Africa is. Can we have not so much a matching platform, but matching events where we say to people, are you looking to start a startup? Are you looking for a co-founder? And let's put people together depending on what it is they're trying to do. Mm. Um, I suspect that if you try to do a whole big platform, you would have issues um, because we still have, um, as much as you know, we're doing really great in terms of our, our engineering talent, I think we still have relatively few engineers in the ecosystem as a whole. Mm. So I think very quickly you will end up... Um, you know, having too much of one one side, which one is time. right, right. But uh, for sure, I think there are opportunities for as an ecosystem to think about events that match, that bring people together, that mm-hmm. express um, an interest around um, around. Uh, co-founding a startup or, 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 or running a business. You know, I find it's interesting that you say that the ecosystem still has too few engineers. So there are young yeah. people who are listening to you right now and there are women, there are men who are listening to you and they're wondering, when you say engineers, what do you mean, first of all? And second of all, well, if I'm already the sort of engineer you're talking about, how do I get in? I mean, the first one is easier for me to answer. If you, what I mean by an engineer is a coder, mm-hmm. and it could be you know, a developer, um, and there are different kinds of developers. There's a front end, all of these different kinds. Um, what I mean, how would you get into the ecosystem if you've trained as an engineer? You're in the ecosystem, right? Um, because you're working for a tech company, you're building technology. You, you may well have, you know, some affiliation with one of the existing tech companies in Nigeria outside. You might have worked at Endela, and, and sorry, and Dela. So you're within the ecosystem already. Hmm. Um, what I mean, I guess, by there's there's not enough is that we still, you know, one of the things I did at my in my previous role, for example, at Endeavor was I worked with founders who were building what we call hybrid startups. So startups that typically are sort of series A, B onwards. Um, and they would, you know, often say that some of the challenges that they have, once they once they, you know, they need to hire many engineers, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so few engineers that, you know, it's hard to find the great ones because people are already doing other things. Yeah. The other thing 
what was really interesting a lot of founders would tell us was that um finding female tech talent was always hard mm. um female engineers i beg your pardon um and again we need more of those so there's lots of will around i want to hire female engineers um but we need to we need to sort of uh what's the word create the opportunities for them or nurse them mm. so there are again communities that focus on supporting female engineers. There are programs that focus on bringing more women into tech. Mm-hmm. I suppose people in tech in general to become coders and developers. Mm-hmm. But um, for sure, that challenge of once you get to a certain stage where you're a relatively large company in the ecosystem and you need to sort of hire um, uh, more engineers mm-hmm. um, a, a challenge that people face. Um, do I have to have a university degree? So say I'm a, a young woman listening to you right now and um, yeah. uh, maybe I already have a university degree in say zoology or mass communication yeah. or law um, but I'm seeing all this money being made in tech and I'm like I want me, a, I want, I want me some of that I want some of that money <laughs> do I need to go back to the university and get a computer science degree or computer engineering degree or software engineering degree or is there like a way to jump the queue yeah you, you can learn various coding languages without going back to, to university hmm. um, you know there are lots of um, what we call MOOCs online what are they something something online courses something mm-hmm. open online courses mm-hmm. Um, there are programs, there are companies like, and now I forget what it's called now, it's completely escaped me, but there are a couple of um, US-based companies, interestingly, that will train developers and train coders. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they don't take any 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 money from you until you have um, graduated. It's all until you have a job, I beg your pardon, mm-hmm. and you're able to repay them. So there are ways to sort of become a developer mm-hmm. after that. Um, as well um, through various programs. I think Google has a couple of programs as well. Mm. So no, you don't have to have graduated from university as a software engineer. Mm. Okay, well, ladies, you're here and the lady. Uh, of course, if you if you want to get in there, they also have different programs for women, and she'll talk about that when we come back from this break. If you just joined us, you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. I'm also going to be asking her to talk a bit more, explain a bit more what a Series A is and a Series B is. You know, what are those? There are things we see around all the time on social media, in the news. What are they really? She'll talk about that after the break, as well as the work that First Check Africa is doing to empower more women in tech. I'm Sandra Ezekwesili. a living you probably own a business work for one or want to start one business is central to your life but do most business shows really speak to you today on the show the billion dollar valuation of balogu and broad does let's talk about the stock market and alaba market let's talk about share ipos and diesel supply lpos let's talk about broad street the nigerian stock exchange recorded an all-time high of and balogu street uh, the maximum i will spend on fuel so on throw hmm. was four thousand Logo and Broad, Wednesdays at 5.
What's next for Nigeria's tech sector? It's a business show. That's what Balogo and Broad is. A business show for people who are doing real business. We talk about how the biggest stories of the day are affecting your business or the business that you work for. We also talk to real people doing real business. And I told you that we're still talking about the tech sector today. So we are still in Broad Street. And uh, it's a conversation we started last week. And, um, you know, we, we, we were having such fun and the time flew by, but we've continued it today. And uh, I started by telling you that CUDA announced that it raised $25 million in its Series A round. Now, you hear Series A and you're like, what's Series A round? And I've got Eloho Mame here to tell us what that is exactly. Eloho is the co-founder of First Check Africa. First Check Africa is an angel fund on investing in the tech sector. I hope you're watching this interview live on Facebook, Nigeria Info 99.3. We're streaming on YouTube as well, Nigeria Info FM. Hello, what's Series A and Series B? What's the difference between all of that? Is there a Series C? Is there a Series D? Where does it end? There is a Series C, there is a Series D, there is a Series E. Oh. I suppose technically, I mean, I don't know. I, I suspect that, I think I've seen Series Fs. Oh. Um, it's not so um, But those really just... Um, are markers of the number of times that a company has raised capital, venture capital. Hmm. Um, it usually starts from what we call a seed round. Okay. Um, What's that? So, when we, so we say it counts the number of times a company has raised institutional capital, I should say. And institutional means from an institution, so venture capital. Okay. Um, usually we start counting from a seed round because nowadays that is institutional. So a seed round, uh, sorry, but before I say that, but there really is a little bit of what we call a pre-seed round usually. Some people call that a friends and family round. Some people call it friends, family and fools. <laughs> but your pre-seed round is really when you have an idea hmm. uh, and you're trying to see if it works hmm. and you're picking people that have this great idea for this thing. I need a bit of capital just to build the first version, for example, of my app mm-hmm. and to kind of see if it works and to test the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually people who are investing at that stage are angel investors or your friends, your family, and quote-unquote fools. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I suppose the fools, Monica, to be fair, is because there's such a high chance of failure mm. at that um, so if I so if I wanted to invest in somebody uh, in a seed round, I should tell myself this money now. Maybe I just forget the money. If you come back, fine. Yes, but even that's I'm even talking also of a pre-seed round, which is when there's nothing. Hmm. There's just a piece of paper, and somebody is saying, Sandra, can I have five thousand dollars to test this idea? Mm-hmm. And you're saying to you at that point, the judgment that you're making is. Um, there's no product. Mm-hmm. So the judgment that you're making is, is Eloho the right person to take this idea, mm-hmm. test it, prove it, and build it in over time, build it over time into a product. Mm. But really, what you're investing in is me and my idea. Mm. Um, next is, and that, like I said, is usually angel funds, friends, family, and fools. Mm-hmm. The next is what we call a seed round, which is usually nowadays the first institutional round. So by institution, I mean that, what, that we have what we call seed stage investors. Okay. So there, usually, you have something that's called a minimum viable product. So people who might know the Nigeria tech ecosystem might be familiar with um, firms like MicroTraction, Ventures Platform. Those kinds of firms typically invest, I don't think exclusively, but typically invest in what we call the seed stage. So you have what we call a minimum viable product, which means that there's something out there in the market that Mm -hmm. your users are engaging with. Mm -hmm. They may or may not be 
paying for it. Mm-hmm. You may or may not be generating revenues from it, mm-hmm. but you're already getting some insights from that minimum viable. So for example, let me make this tangible because I did a thread on it this morning on my Twitter. For example, your minimum viable product might be something as simple as a landing page. Mm-hmm. So you say to people, there's this great new product. Here's my landing page. Sign up everybody that wants. You find that you have 100,000 people that sign up because they want to use your product. Mm-hmm. That may well be enough for you to say, okay, I have a minimum viable product here. And then you have some kind of small prototype that doesn't involve heavy technology or heavy coding to develop mm. that people start to use mm-hmm. to prove or to test the idea that they have this small need mm-hmm. or this particular need rather that you're able to sort of meet with technology. Mm. So that's what we call a seed round. Um, that can be institutional, but usually you have a very, very, very early version of the product mm-hmm. and you're still experimenting with how people will respond to it. So you mentioned CUDA, mm-hmm. the $10 million that they raised. CUDA has raised some pretty significant numbers. Mm-hmm. The $10 million that they raised was a seed round. Mm-hmm. So they had the first version of their banking product. I think they had, I don't know how many users they had, but I think they had a limited number of users and a limited number of people that could be users, mm-hmm. right? That were able to test it, mm-hmm. test the bugs, test, test, test the kinks. Mm-hmm. make sure it worked mm-hmm. make sure it was growing mm-hmm. and getting that feedback and then once they had that they opened it up and then they raised the next round mm-hmm. which is a series A mm-hmm. now that's when we start counting at series A you have a product okay. it is out there okay. it's an early version but it's not a minimum viable product it has a bunch of features mm-hmm. that your users have told you they want right. and you have responded by building those right. so it's your first proper um, I guess feature heavy version of your product Hmm. Um, and that's when we start counting as that's what we mean by series A it's literally series 1 right because you've done a pre-seed you may or may not have done a pre-seed you've certainly done a seed Mm -hmm. um, and we start seeing series 1 and then B, C, D, E is literally counting 2, 3, 4, 5 so so it's it's basically how many times you've tried to raise money for a particular product how many times you have successfully raised money oh okay All right. so not tried successfully right so not a way series I think they did their series B Mm. Um, I think the 170 was their series B Mm -hmm. so um, they did a seed round which was um, uh, their time at Y Combinator which is the global accelerator Mm -hmm. that I think I thought it was in was doing $150,000 checks then they raised a series A if I'm not mistaken their series A was about 13, 15 million dollars and they did that about a year and a half two years ago Mm. and they've grown so much so for you to go from one round to the next you have to show what we call milestones or traction Mm. which is really good so you have to be hitting a certain level of growth you need to be hitting and it varies by industry it varies by sector Mm -hmm. you know the VCs kind of know what they want and what they need Mm -hmm. but you know roughly in the VC in the VC community they'll say a series A startup should be doing roughly this kind of volume Mm. this kind of use this Mm. kind of growth Mm. and you can't come back to raise series B unless you hit the metrics for series B Mm. Um, or you will not raise it on favorable terms anyway Mm. Um, and you kind of keep going you raise out there's no upper limit to I suppose in theory there's no upper limit to how many series you can raise I've never seen I think I've seen one or two series F's usually um, what happens is you want to get to a point where you're no longer going back to venture capital to keep funding your growth mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. and then usually what happens is you know companies raise like I don't know series C series D they stop and then they start looking for capital outside. Of course, over time, as the company matures, the growth, mm-hmm. you know, the tech companies high growth. Mm-hmm. As the company matures, the growth slows down. Mm-hmm. And then usually where they go next is uh, a stock market, mm-hmm. um, you know, to raise capital. So you don't usually see Series Z. I've mm-hmm. never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
after about series D, series E, what usually happens by the time a company gets to that stage is they're now um, trying to list on, on a stock on exchange. On a stock exchange. Lagos, if you just joined the show, you're listening to Hard Facts. On Balogu and Broad, we take a look at business stories and uh, how they affect you, who's the real business person. Now, if you work in the tech sector, I would love to hear from you. Uh, if you don't work in the tech sector, I'm curious what you think is behind the success and growth of the Nigerian tech sector. If you work in the tech sector, give us a call. Tell us what you do tell us how you got started if you just want to learn more about the tech business environment give us a call with your questions for eloho eloho say i have um you know let me not even call a price like what's the minimum amount of money i need to be an investor um to be maybe an angel investor maybe a vc i don't know how does that work how does that part of the ecosystem work yeah so VCs and angel investors are similar in that they're both investing in tech companies. Right. Um, companies, high growth, high risk of failure. And right. looking for high returns to match that risk. Mm-hmm. They're different in that an angel is usually investing their own personal capital. Hmm. Uh, and usually an angel is investing earlier. Um, so, for example, nowadays, sometimes we see angels in Series A. I'm trying to see that a bit more. Mm-hmm. But usually, you see angels in what we call pre-seed, so idea on a napkin, mm-hmm. or seed, which is you know what we call a minimum viable product stage of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, those are individuals. Now, what is the minimum you would need to do there? Well, I think even before you get to the point of a minimum, you need to be seeing deals. So you need to be within, you know, you need to have access to that community. Um, How do I get access to that community? Well, you build relationships. So um, you build relationships with the founders, you build relationships with the investors, you build trust by also, you know, showing that you can add value to the founders' journeys usually. Um, So where where do I find these communities? Is it social media, church, bars? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think as in any relationship sometimes it can be really organic okay. but the way that I would think about it if I were going to try and get into angel investing today is I would figure out who are the main angels mm. um, within our ecosystem for example Illumide Shoyombo posted his or published his um, list his investment portfolio he's mm. over the last six or seven years I think mm. he had about 20 startups mm. um, I don't know if he's the most prolific angel investor that we have but he's certainly one of the more one that's investing the most mm-hmm. I would say if somebody was trying to get in maybe the first thing that you do is reach out to him I imagine on Twitter and say hi I really want to get into angel investing um, how much money do I need Right. There also, before I answer that, there are also a couple of other communities um, that are pooling capital for angels to invest. Hmm. There's one called Radicap Global, which I'm a part of. There's, and again, you can find them on Twitter. Say that again. Um, your, your voice bleeped out a bit. Radicap. R-A-L-L-Y-C-A-P Global. Radicap is a community. So different communities have their different rules and guidelines. Hmm. Radicap is for what we call operators, so people that have worked with startups, etc. Hmm. But they're different who are pulling capital and they're building their networks into investing in, in mm. startups. Mm. So you, you build a community so that you know where the startups are raising, the startups trust you, mm. they want you to be in there on their, what we call cap tables, which is really who, is, who are my investors. Mm. How much do you need? I think it varies. Um, it also depends on what stage you're investing in. If you're investing very, very, very early, mm-hmm. usually what you want, the founder is looking for is something to use to prove their idea. So they're not trying to raise at the pre-seed level. Mm. They're not normally trying to raise $5 million. Sometimes it's $100,000. 
Um, and there are opportunities to invest a thousand dollars in those kinds of um, um, opportunities. So a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars is uh, around um, what these days? Oh, over five hundred uh, grand. It is. Mm. So angel investing, and I think let's be clear, I'm comfortable with that because angel investing is, or investing in startups is something that is, we must be careful that we don't treat it as if it is stock market investing. Mm. There's a good chance that you will invest that check and you will never see the money again. Mm. The way that angels may, I sorry, not to suggest that anybody goes away with your money, um, the idea doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. The way that um, angels typically lose to make look to make money is you're not writing just one angel check Mm -hmm. you might be writing 15 or 20 Mm -hmm. and the hope is that one of those checks is the one that goes on to be a flutter wave Mm -hmm. or two or three a very small proportion Mm -hmm. so that the profits that you make from that investment more than covers the fact that you've made you know significant losses or you've lost your money on 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 most of the others Mm -hmm. so angel investing you know, in, 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 in most jurisdictions, I'm sure in Nigeria, there are thresholds around you having to have a minimum high net worth to invest as an angel mm. and things like that. Or to at least be part of angel syndicates and things like that because people, you know, it's it's an investor protection. Right. Um, so that, that that is certainly important. Um, that said, I think there's a lot of untapped, there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of untapped capital in our ecosystem for investing in startups. Right. And I think as long as people are doing it, um, with the right risk mindset, um, there are opportunities to reduce those minima so that people can write checks. But um, there are different groups that will, you know, they call themselves collectives that will pull money together. They have different minimum amounts. Um, but I've seen people do as low as $1,000. Hmm. All right, then. Uh, we've got uh, five minutes and then we got to go. But I have to ask you what you think about people who have expressed a concern that as the Naira loses value and our ecosystem's reputation grows, a lot of talent will choose to work on products and companies abroad, either by moving there or working remotely. Do you think that this could lead to a shortage of top-tier talent for Nigerian startups? Because remember, earlier on, we talked about the fact that the industry doesn't even have enough, uh, uh, what's the word now, engineers, for instance, to do the work that is required here. So do you think that, that, that this concern is valid? Could, could it lead to um, a shortage of uh, top-tier talent for Nigerian startups? I think it's a real risk, and I think it's the same risk, though, that we see in a bunch of other skilled labor right. that chooses in a hard economic environment or with a devaluation to move. So mm. we see it all the time with doctors, we see it with nurses, um, everyone wants to move to Canada, um, we're seeing there's a new UK tech visa at the moment. People are going to the UK. Mm. So I think it's just the reality of, you know, people want a better life. People want to preserve their wealth. And, you know, trying to sort of play whack-a-mole with inflation is one of those things that is, we're just always going to have that issue unless we're able to build a stable mm. um, environment and stable exchange rates. Mm. Um, the good news is, um, with regards to tech talent, is two things. The culture to you, you know, you referenced remote work. Mm-hmm. There's tech, before we all went into a pandemic and we also were cool for sitting at home doing remote work, mm-hmm. a lot of the tech community was already used to that kind of idea of working remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, especially when it came to the developers and the coders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, the, the, the ecosystem has already kind of developed this culture even before the last year uh, and before these issues around pressures with our exchange rates of being able to work from anywhere in the world. And frankly, 
working both sides. So our developers are able to source jobs from people who are building their products outside of Nigeria. And mm-hmm. the flip side is our Nigerian startups are able to also source developers from other markets. I've seen people go to Ethiopia. I've seen people go to Latin America, mm-hmm. um, you know, India. India. Mm-hmm. So um, our exchange rate will not be any more competitive. I suppose it will be less competitive against those geographies. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's because Nigerian developers are now looking to work abroad. That means that we have no access to developers. Mm-hmm. I think we need to sort of work in this in this global um, remote um, culture that the, that the tech ecosystem has for a long time. Hmm. Eloha Mame will be back as a glass breaker because let me tell you, she's done amazing work in the tech sector, a sector that doesn't typically have a lot of women uh, doing work in there. She's uh, doing phenomenal work with uh, First Check Africa. She told us about First Check Africa um, last week. Now, for those who were not listening last week, tell me again very quickly, um, you know, what you do and how you do it at, at First Check Africa. So First Check is an angel fund um, co-founded by myself and Audrey Wini, who is the co-founder of Piggy Vest. Um, and we are investing in the very early stages. So we call ourselves early believers for women that want to build tech startups or diverse teams. So teams that include women mm-hmm. and you have women in important decision-making roles within the co-founding teams. Mm-hmm. So we're writing those pre-seed checks mm-hmm. in the hope that they can build those ideas um, into viable, investable um, technology propositions. Our big goal, our big hairy audacious goal mm-hmm. is to put a dent into that sort of less than 5% number. So less than 5% of capital mm-hmm. goes to women and startups. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping that we can make a few moves that help to shift that number. Mm-hmm. All right, then. She is uh, the co-founder, like you just heard, of First Check Africa. Eloho Mame, thank you so much for giving us your time this week. Uh, we had a great time and we were able Good to touch that. a number of subjects so I loved that and her internet behaved today so yay <laughs> but she'll be back sometime in April as our glass breaker because um, uh, women need uh, role models in the world of tech and Eloho is one of those Eloho thank you so much for your time Sandra take care alright Lagos let me give you a chance to win some money on just a minute